chapter number 20, page 1177. We have been looking through Bible windows. We start a series on looking through Bible windows. We have looked at storms through the window of the ark. We have looked at salvation through the window of Rahab the harlot. We have looked at criticism through the window of Michael. Sarcasm through the window of Michael. And uh, so as we have been traveling through these Bible windows, uh, I trust they have been a blessing. And tonight we want to look at church members through the window of Eutychus. And um, I thought about doing this, and I thought, well, I don't know, this just really would not be good. But I was going to do Bible trivia and say, how many could tell me who Eutychus was? And uh, But we'll, we'll let you know in on who that is. Let's all stand together. Acts chapter 20, begin reading verse number 7. And upon the first day of the week, when the disciples came together to break bread, Paul preached unto them, ready to depart on the morrow, and continued his speech until midnight. Let me just stop and say this. Hallelujah. Praise God. If you think I'm long-winded, if you think I'm long-winded, listen. I mean, he preached to midnight. There were many lights in the upper chamber where they were gathered together. There sat in a window a certain young man named Eutychus being fallen into a deep sleep. And as Paul was long preaching, he sunk down with sleep and fell down from the third loft and was taken up dead. And Paul went down and fell on him and embraced him, said, Trouble not yourselves, for his life is in him. When he therefore was come up again and had broken bread and eaten and talked a while, even till break of day, so he departed. They brought the young man alive and were not a little comforted. Again, verse number 9, there's our window. There sat in a window a certain young man named Eutychus. So with the help of God, we'll preach on church members through the window of Eutychus. Let's go to the throne of grace and ask the Lord to help us. Eddie, how about you praying, brother? Amen. You'll be seated. Let me begin tonight by asking a question. What kind of church member are you? Someone as well said that church members are like wheelbarrows. They're no good unless they're pushed. Some are like canoes. They need to be paddled. Some are like kites. If a string's not kept on them, they'll fly away. Some are like balloons, are full of wind and ready to blow up. Some are like kittens, they need, they're more contented when petted. 
Some are like footballs. You never can tell which way they'll bounce next. Some are like trailers that have to be pulled. And some are like neon lights that keep going off and on. Amen. Somebody has compared church members to birds. Parrots. These birds keep repeating what someone else said. Fantail pigeons always strutting around. Hawks, I've known a few of these, always looking for something wrong. Jaybirds always creating a fuss with other birds. Boy, I like this one, the bat. He's the hypocrite. You know why? Because the bat looks like a bird from one point of view, but another one, it looks like a rat. A crow always stealing another man's corn. Or a swan. These beautiful birds has no certain dwelling place, just floating from place to place. Acts 20 tells us about a church member. And this young man's name was Eutychus. We read in verse 9 of him sitting in a window. And what followed, it's somewhat of a humorous story. And yet it gives us, and in this story we see three different types of church members here. The first church type we see here, the first church member we see here is this. Boy, I like this one. The attending member. And upon the first day of the week when the disciples came together to break bread. Of course, this was Sunday. This was the Lord's day, if you will. And you're going to find the Bible says that the day Jesus rose from the dead, the name disciple was given to early believers. It is, a, it is a name that speaks of someone that's learning. And, and, and what it was, they, they would come together and they would assemble together. And uh, one of the things that in the early church hour, in the early church day, uh, they, didn't, they didn't have buildings per se like we did, like we have now. Uh, in most cases, they would assemble in homes or in houses and occasionally they would, they would rent a building or find a building where they could have services. And on Sunday, the first day of the week, praise God, they, they would meet. To put it to you another way, it was Sunday and they were seen going to church. I like that. As a matter of fact, I am convinced more than I ever have if Jesus Christ has done a real, genuine work in your heart, and there is something real on the inside. There is something, there's a desire to be in the house of God when the doors open. You say, you, you just can't explain it no other way. I like this one church decided they were going to have a no excuse Sunday. So here's what they done. They said they would be caught to be placed in the four years for those who say Sunday's my only day to sleep in. Marine uh, will be available for those with tired, tired eyes from watching television on Saturday night. We'll have steel helmets for those who say the roof will cave in if I ever come to church. Blankets will be provided for those who think the church is too cold and fans for those who think the church is too hot. I probably put out a few of them tonight. Amen. 
I love this. If you could see what I see sometimes, this some on on one 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 person in the church going, <laughs> and <it'll push> <laughs> and uh, and I thought a couple of times I'd just stop and say, "Listen, you two people need to swap places." Amen. Oh, I love this. Well, I have hearing aids for those who say the pastor speaks too softly, and cotton for those who say he preaches too loud. Scorecards will be available for those who wish to list the hypocrites that are present. Relatives will be present for all those who like to go visiting on Sunday. There'll be a meal afterwards for those who cannot go to church and cook dinner also. One section will be devoted to trees and grass and those who seek God in nature. Finally, the sanctuary will be uh, decorated in Christmas poinsettias and Easter lilies for those who have never seen church without them. Amen. Oh, I love this. There are those who attended. It is the place of our assembling. They came together on the first day of the week. And they were on the third loft. And there said in a window a certain man named Eutychus being fallen in a deep sleep. And as Paul long preached, he sunk down, sleeping fell down from the third loft. So apparently... They were assembling on the third floor of this building. Wherever it was, they found church. Amen. And let me say this. Every Christian, every Christian has a place at the house of God. And that play, and, and on Sunday, that place is at the house of God. And there was a people and, and, and they had a desire and they, they had a longing in their soul. Uh, there have been a few, very few occasions. I remember being in Mexico and, uh, on, a, on a mission trip and Sunday morning came around and all the other preachers were excited about preaching that day. I was over in the corner whining. I'll be honest, I miss being here. I miss being in my place. But here is one of the things that is so taken so lightly. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as a man or some is. That word not forsaking is not an option. It is a command. And it is a, it is a command like thou shalt not steal. It is a command that says forsake not the assembling of ourselves together. Now, now listen. Don't miss this second part. Moreover, how many of you believe our world is getting worse? I mean, dear Jesus, who are you going to vote for president? God help us. And, uh, and Lord, it, it's, it gets worse and worse. But listen to what he says. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as a manner of some is, but exhorting one another so much the more as you see the day approaching. How many of you believe the Lord is soon to come? You know what ought to motivate us? You know what ought to drive us? You know what ought to put a, a burning desire in our heart to get to the house of God? It is a fact that I'm going to look at our world that's a spinning out of control. Nobody can fix it. And the remedy for it all is Jesus to come. And I'm looking for Him to come. And so the Bible says, forsaking not the assembling of ourselves together. And if you're lost, you will be left behind. 
You will be led by. Well, I don't believe that. What you believe about it ain't going to change nothing. You're still going to be led behind. Oh, it's amazing. Not only was it a place of our assembling, but the purpose of our assembling. They gathered to honor the Lord. And upon the first day of the week when the disciples came together to break bread, now the breaking of bread uh, was what you and I call the Lord's Supper. The early church, the early church did the Lord's Supper every day. Every day. Uh, I'm probably running a rabbit here, but it's a big, fat rabbit. It needs to be run a little bit. The Bible speaks in Corinthians about if you're hungry to eat at home. People mis- so misunderstand that. What had happened in, in, a, in, a, in the church of Corinth was this. Every day they had communion. But the communion had turned in to an all-out buffet and a meal. And they had lost the significance of the communion. And the Bible says in the Corinthians, Paul, he, he, he blasted them for it. So if you eat, you need to eat at home. He said, when you come for communion. And so they had missed that. So every day, they had the Lord's Supper. And when they assembled, it was a time to remember and to reverence. It's a place of contemplation and a place of celebration. See, we often look at church in terms of what can we get out of it. Most of us come tonight with looking for something What's in it for me? What can I get out of it to take home? Can I ask you this? What did you come to give the Lord tonight? I haven't forgot what I'm going to say. I stopped on purpose. What did you come to give Him tonight? Did you come to honor Him? I went and seen a little old woman. She was this, she was, she's deaf as she could be. And I mean, she was sick. And, uh, you remember when they used to give you these things that would hang on, on a thing for, for perfect attendance? Now, and, and the Southern Baptist church has done them a lot. They probably still do. She had, she had a whole string of them. She was well on up in age and she showed me them things and she said, preacher, I want you to know, she said, I don't miss church. And I love what she said. She said, I can't hear a thing that preacher's is saying. But I want the devil to know whose side I'm on. Amen. So she said, I go. She said, I go and I shout and I praise God. I can't hear a thing he's saying whatsoever. But she said, I want the devil to know whose side I'm on. Here tonight, here, the, the church is not, and it is a place where we come to get something from God. And my heart is, I want you to get something from God. But may I say, first of all, we ought to come to church for Him. We'll come that, to honor Him and bless His name and glorify Him. It ought to be first for Him. Second, they come to hear 
the Word of God. Paul preached unto them. Now, we're living in a day when people like singing, I'm all for it, amen? I like good, I like good, good Christian singing. But let me say this. There's a whole lot of churches that want an hour of singing and ten minutes of preaching. I might as well go ahead and serve notice tonight. That's probably not going to happen here. We're going to have 10, 15 minutes of singing and we're going to have an hour of preaching. You know why? Because the Bible says through the foolishness of preaching, not foolish preaching, through the foolishness of preaching, he would seek to save those that were lost. It is through the preaching of the Word of God that God chooses to save. I appreciate songs. I think songs can help us to worship. They certainly have their part. Amen. But let me just say this. Oh, my goodness. Probably going to get in trouble here. One of the most... Uh, one of the most disastrous things have happened in our country. There was a day that gospel groups sung at the house of God. And they were given a talent, and God used their talent to bless the people of God. Now that has been moved out of the church, moved into a concert hall, it has become entertainment, and the great talent that was to be used to bless and ready people for worship now has become entertainment all in the name of Jesus Here's what's so damning about it. I have met more than one person. Said, boy, I, I went to a scene like that. Oh, got the fuzzies all over. I was so close to God. What, did you go to church on Sunday? No, I wasn't able to go on church on Sunday. And what it does, it moves the flesh. Now, now, now look at me now. Don't you boo me out. Me and Darlene dated in the 70s. And me and her, we, we go up to Abley's and eat because they play music in the 70s. And we go up there and eat and smile at one another, remembering the songs that we used to listen to in the 70s. Now, some of you, we would be in the 50s <laughs> or 60s. And, uh, but we would listen and we would, and you know what's amazing? Is that music brings back all these memories of when we were just so young and we just started dating and dumb as a box of rocks. And, and look, you know, it brings it all. The power of music moves this flesh. Now I know God uses it. Praise God for it. Psalmist David would play music to, for the worship. Music was a real part of worship. It's a vital part of worship. But can I say this? In this story here, Paul preached. 
He gathered to hear the word of God. And the Bible says in the last days, the Bible says in the last days, there would not be a famine of bread and water, but there would be a famine of the hearing of the word of God. Now, you could, now we're just, no, just us here tonight. Can I ask you a question? Have you ever done this? Have you ever sat on a pew, smiled at the preacher, and acted like you was a listening when your mind was a hundred miles away? Are you doing that now? Do I need to pray? God give you the itch. So you start scratching and we all know what you're doing. Oh, I've done it. We've all done it, have we not? You know why? Because the devil does not want you to hear the word of God. And, and if you're so set in what you believe, why don't you want to hear it? You mean it may convict you? God may convict your heart? God may have some... And by the way, if you think it's because of what somebody else has said, it may be Holy Ghost conviction speaking to you. Don't miss when he's speaking. Now, I love this. The Bible says he continued preaching until midnight. I heard about a fellow who got up in the middle of the sermon and started leaving. The pastor stopped him and said, where are you going? He said, I'm going to go get a haircut. The preacher said, why didn't you get one before you came? He answered, I didn't need it. He's long-winded. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. I see number one, I see attendant members. Number two, I see apathetic members. I draw your attention to Eutychus. And there sitting in a window, a certain man named Eutychus. Being fallen in a deep sleep. Now the question comes, why was he sleeping? Well, I will say this. I used to really bother me when people went to sleep when I preached. And I've had it to happen more than once. But when I read this, I just had me a shine fit. This is the Apostle Paul, probably the best preacher in shoe leather besides Jesus. Hey, they would sleep on him. I'm doing pretty good, amen. And he's assigned to sleep. Someone said, well, why was he asleep? Well, his name, maybe it's a secret here. Eutychus was the name of a slave. And he may have very well worked in the field all that day and was tired when he came to church. The environment didn't have the situation. The Bible said there were many lights in the upper chamber where they were gathered together. James Hastings made this statement. He was a historian, wrote the place was hot, close, and stuffy. The oil lamps made the atmosphere oppressive, and the small eastern windows were not good for ventilation, and fresh air was, well, was very little. And after a hard day's work, he may very well had just been very tired and to, to get a breeze was setting in the wind. Whatever the reason, he fell sound asleep. First Thessalonians 5, 6, Therefore let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. Can I say this? You don't have to be physically asleep 
to be asleep on God. When it comes to spiritual things, there's a lot of things people are asleep on. Amen. Many members, their presence in Sunday is, is, is to be commended. But unfortunately, they come and they are asleep through the service or they sleep through the, through the message and totally miss, not understanding that one day you will be... Do you understand tonight... I'm going to be held accountable for everything I say, and that scares me to death. That terrifies me. But do you also understand you will be held accountable for everything you've heard? One of the horrors of hell is going to be those that have had opportunities and heard and heard and pushed it away and dismissed and said, not me, not me, no, I'm not going to do it, and shoved it away. One of the horrors of hell is going to be the memory that remembers what they've heard. So he may have been sleeping. Romans 13, 11 says, And that knowing the time, that now is high time to wake out of sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. So we see why he was sleeping. But notice this. Where was he sleeping? I, I watched the future. I watched this. And I know one of these days it's going to happen. And um, I'm going to tell you now, I'm going to really laugh. But I've watched people almost fall out in the middle of the floor sleeping. And when, and when it does, I tell you, I, I don't care. Whatever happens, I'm just going to bust out laughing. I, I, if I get fired, I can't help it. I'm just going to, because I know it's going to happen. Here's a dude, he's sitting, he's sitting in a, there was a certain young man named Eutychus being fallen in a deep sleep, and Paul was long preaching. He sunk down with sleep and fell down from the third loft and was taken up dead. And I say this, if you're going to sleep on God, be in a place where you fall to the inside, not to the outside. You say, why did he fall outside? Because he's leaning more outside than what he was leaning inside. I've got a question for you tonight. Which way are you leaning? Are you leaning more inside or are you leaning more outside? Regardless of which way you're leaning, you lean there long enough, you'll fall out. Which way are you leaning? I want you to know here's a man. He didn't fall on the inside of the church. He fell to the outside of the church because he was leaning more to the outside and not the inside. Nobody just up and decides to get out of church. Let me just let me help you here tonight. I've said this ten thousand times. Long before your legs carry you out. Your heart has already been stolen away or gone. Long before your legs take you. Long before that. And I, I, it's amazing. For Demas hath 
forsaken me, having loved this present world and is departed. Which way are you leaning? Hey, young people, we got a good crowd of young people here tonight. Which way are you leaning? Are you leaning towards doing right? Or are you looking for the opportunity to do wrong? I said this the other week and I'll say it again. I said it again because our young people need to hear this. And I don't know, parents. It seems like we're, we're afraid to tell them. We're afraid they're going to get mad or afraid of this or afraid of that. Somebody better get bold enough to tell them the truth. Quit making excuses for the choices that you make. I just gone to the bathroom. We'll talk about him right quick. He lost his billfold. That's nothing unusual. I love this. He talked to his daddy. Here's what his daddy said. If you're old enough to drive that vehicle, you're old enough to, to keep up with your billfold. If you can't keep up with your billfold, park the vehicle. Amen. That's what he needs to hear. That's exactly what he needs to hear. Thank God he found his billfold. Amen. The landscape of Christianity is littered with those who used to be faithful and love God in regards to what they say. They walked away from the Lord. Are you in danger of falling out of the window? Have you let someone woo your heart away from God and the things of God? Like you do because you find yourself falling out of church. Somebody wronged you so much that that becomes more important than coming to the house of God to worship Him. I'm amazed at that. I'm amazed at what... it's, It's amazing to me. Somebody does us wrong and we elevate them to a status bigger than our God. Because if we're worshiping God, He's what's most important. By the way, by the way, I don't care who's wronged you, but nobody's wronged you as much as we have wronged God. And He forgives us. I'm telling you how to... He was was an apathetic church member. Then I see number three, an awakened member. In Acts 29, and he was taken up dead. Now, I've had a lot of strange things to happen in days gone by. But I, I'll say this, I've never seen anybody fall out of window. Uh, but I've seen a lot of stuff happen. Um, I've seen people about ready to fall on the floor. But you can be sure of one thing, the tone of the service changed in a hurry. Someone said, you're the cause just out of the window. And they run down to him. I see number one, a work of restoration. Isn't it wonderful? When someone falls out of church, what is to be our response? In Acts 20.10, Paul went down and fell on him and embraced him and said, I can't believe you went to sleep on me. Well, that ain't what he says, is it? He says, trouble not yourselves, for his life is in him. I don't, I don't even know why I'm going here, but no doubt for somebody. 
When someone falls out, this is the attitude that every one of us ought to take. Now, I'm not going to stand here and lie to you and tell you I've always had this attitude. I'm not. But I'm working at it. I'm working towards this kind of an attitude. Number one, we ought to pray for them. We ought to just simply beg God to help them. Number two, if they wronged us, we ought to forgive them. We ought to just simply forgive them. The Bible says when those despitefully use you, he said, be good to them. I, 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 I never, probably never forget this as long as I live. I mean, I had a major confrontation with a fellow in a little white church down here. And I got very, I got very angry with this fellow. And we got very confrontational. And it wasn't publicly, it was after service, but nevertheless, it's very confrontational. The next day, he called me and said, could the church help me with some food? I want to put a bomb in his car. Don't want to feed him. This is, this is the power of good men. I called Brother George. I said, Brother George, you know that rascal that caused us all the heartache and aggravation last night? That he, you ain't going to believe this. He called and asked me, would I give him some food? And George... Being the man he is, he said, Pastor, reckon what the Lord would do. Don't you reckon the Lord would just feed him? I thought, some rat poison maybe, but you know, I don't want to give him nothing. And, and, And I said, yeah, yeah, George. Yeah, George, okay. And I've never forgotten that. I've never forgotten that. Because that's exactly what the Lord would have done. You know what it ought to be? Now, there's some, there's sometimes people leave, we can't change it. I, I mean, it's just, it just that simple. It just, it just can't be changed. But let me say this. When you run into them, here's what I want you to tell them. And, and you, and that, now, they're not going to agree with this. They're not going to like this. But you tell them this. Say, well, I'll tell you what the preacher said. The preacher said he loves you and... Anybody's welcome back. I want our church to ever always be where people come back. Now, it's not going to always be that way. I'm saying our attitude, not what they do, what we choose to do when we come to the house of God. When we come to the house of God, there ought not be anything between us and our God. There should not be anything that keeps us from worshiping Him the work of restoration. You'll find the Bible says that Paul fell on him. He said, trouble not yourself, his life is in him. Galatians 6, 1, brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. The Bible says in Acts 20, 11, when he was therefore come up again and had broken bread and eaten and talked a while even until the break of day, so he departed. There's a work of restoration. There's a work of consolation. And they brought the young man alive and were not a little comforted. There's a restored member. They was a revived member. You can be sure 
when Eutychus got back in his service, he never fell asleep again. You can be sure he was wide awake in every service. Furthermore, you can be sure he never sat in the window again. You can be sure he wasn't trying to get from God. He was trying to get as close to God as he could. Tonight, where are you? What kind of church member are you? Oh, the word comforted means to being invited or drawing near. Not only was Eutychus restored, but everybody else was wide awake too. Everybody else... Amen. In fact, they were so revived in verse 11, he talked a long while, even till break of day. So he departed. Then all of a sudden, time was not an issue. And so here tonight, what kind of church member are you? You say, well, I'm an attending church member. Praise God for that. Are you an apathetic church member? Do you need to be an awakened church member? Of course. Tonight, just a little bit, we got a young man that's going to come up and join the church as far as this body of believers. But that's not what makes you a part of the church. You can be on the roll of Solid Rock Baptist Church, but that is not what makes you part of the church. What makes you a part of the church is to recognize, first of all, that you're lost and undone without a Savior. Second thing, you have to recognize and believe that Jesus Christ mounted a cross and shed His blood for your sins. Not your good works, not your abilities, not what you do. None of that will get you to heaven whatsoever. I'm a pastor, I'm a teacher, I'm a deacon, I'm this. None of that, all of that, that don't mean a thing. None of that gets you to heaven. We have to trust that Jesus Christ, mind of cross, had me in mind, and shed his blood and said, whosoever, that was me one day, Whosoever should call upon the name of the Lord, not maybe, not hope so, not guess so, not think so, shall be saved. And that day at 11 years old at Icarus Grove Baptist Church, I got birthed into the family of God. And you know what? It's so amazing how God made us. You can take the DNA of a person and you can take the, the blood of their, of, their chi- of their child and run a DNA test, and, they can, and there's no way humanly possible that they can deny parents and children. You say, that ain't my kid, but they can do a DNA test and say, there is no doubt about him. That child belongs to you. I got birthed into the family of God. I, my DNA is in His blood. His DNA is in my blood. Amen. And because of that, He can never deny me. He can never deny who I am. Do I always act right? No. 
Does he have to whip his, chastise his kids? Yes. But I want you to know there's never a day that I'm not one of his youngins. Never a day. Never a day. And I praise his holy name for that. Are you? What kind of church member are you? Let's all stand to our feet. Every head bowed and every eye closed.